If you're looking for a teacher on how not to be judgmental, some ancient monks who fled society for the desert may not seem like an obvious choice. Add to that that they practiced fasting and often did uncomfortable things like sleeping on the bare ground, and we might have the image of a puritanical person ready to judge us for our slightest wavering. Over the past year, however, I've been reading the teachings and stories of these desert monks, and I have to say that they've lovingly called me out over the distance of the centuries for my own judgmental ways. The desert fathers and mothers, the Abbas and Amas of the third and fourth centuries, have some helpful advice for those of us living in a gotcha world, ready to jump on the latest cancel culture bandwagon. And at the center of their teaching and insight is the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Seems like certain times and places throughout Christian history have their favorite Bible passages. Galatians was central for the Lutherans of the Reformation, and of course the evangelicals of the 1980s loved to wave signs of John 3.16. For the ancient desert monastics of the early centuries of Christianity, it was Luke's parable of the publican and the Pharisee, as it's known in the tradition. What this story did for the monks was instill in them a sense of humility and mercy. It taught them that what is important in God's eyes is not our own personal sense of righteousness, but to surrender to God's goodness and love. What the tax collector knew and these monks sought to learn was that they were in deep need of God's grace. And that gift was not something that they could earn or accomplish however much they fasted or however many hair shirts they wore. They meditated on their sins, not to be down on themselves, but to open up an empty vessel to be filled with God's love. The result in the lives of the desert fathers and mothers was not shame, but a kind of freedom. Shame doesn't do anyone any good. If all we get in recognizing our sins is that we're rotten people, unworthy of any good thing, then we are still strangely stuck on the side of the Pharisee. In shame, we believe, like the Pharisee, that righteousness is something we can achieve on our own rather than a relationship into which we are invited to enter. The wisdom of the tax collector, the wisdom of the desert monastics, is that an acknowledgement of our failings our shortcomings is not about us, 
In admitting our emptiness, we are inviting God's great fulfillment in our lives. And the result is that we are much more gentle with those who are also struggling. All the other people who are in desperate need of God's mercy. This approach of gentleness rather than judgment is illustrated through some great stories passed down from the, from the ancient desert. In one, Abba Moses, who was a notorious highway robber before his conversion, was asked by some brothers to come and judge a monk who had been found in some fault. At first, Abba Moses refused to go, but they kept pleading with him, and so reluctantly he agreed. But on his way out of the cell, he picked up a broken jug that had a hole in the bottom, and he filled it up with water. And as he walked, there was this stream of water pouring out behind him. When he arrived at the place of judgment, the brothers saw the the water pouring out of this broken vessel, and they said, Abba, what's this? He said, my sins pour out behind me, and yet I do not see them. How can I then pass judgment on someone else? They got the point, and they called off the trial. In another story, a monk who had taken a vow of celibacy was suspected of hiding a prostitute in his cell. One of the Abbas was asked to come and join some of the other monks as they searched the cell and condemned this brother. The Abba, suspecting that the woman was hiding in a tall basket, sat on it. As the other monks searched about, after they found nothing, the Abba said to them, See, you were wrong. They all left, and the Abba took the lid off the basket, asked the woman to leave, and then told the brother to repent and sin no more. These are strange stories, I know, from a very different place and culture, but they have a lot of wisdom in them. They've certainly come to my mind a great deal lately because the reality is that I'm pretty judgmental. I go about judging people for all sorts of things, frivolous and substantial. I even had to get off social media because I was constantly getting upset and outraged at the ideas and opinions of people in my life. It helps, but I'm still, more often than not, prideful like the Pharisee rather than humble like the tax collector. It's been helpful for me to look back at the example of past Christians and see the promise of another way to live. One focused on healing relationships and living in reconciliation rather than being constantly filled with the anger of condemnation. When we start to recognize our own need for God's mercy more than judging our neighbors, extraordinary things can begin to happen. This 
is especially true in the witness of a Baptist minister named Will Campbell. Campbell was a white Southern minister from Mississippi, working during the height of the civil rights movement. Though he grew up in the culture of racism in the South, he fought long and hard for racial justice, often putting his life on the line. He was one of the four people who escorted the Little Rock Nine during the integration of Central High, and he was the only white person present at the founding of Martin Luther King Jr.'s Southern Leadership Conference. When Campbell was once asked for a one-sentence definition of Christianity, he said, we're all bastards, but God loves us anyway. It's not a bad definition, and Campbell clearly believed it. Like the desert monastics before him, he was convinced of everyone's need for God's mercy, and it led him to do some uncomfortable things even reaching out to his enemies. Campbell, much to the dismay of many of his friends, served as a kind of chaplain to the local branch of the Ku Klux Klan. And he made a pastoral visit to Martin Luther King's assassin, James Earl Ray, all the while directly and openly condemning the racism. He did all this because, as he said, Mr. Jesus died for bigots as well. As the journalist Chris Hedges later put it, Campbell refused to cancel white racists out of his life. He refused to demonize them as less than human. Our world needs justice. But we're not going to get it by living like the Pharisee in Jesus' parable, ready to point to our own goodness and everyone else's faults. Instead, we can learn from the saints of the past how to live in a different way. If our focus becomes restoring relationship, healing the wounds that keep us from wholeness, we'll come to see that the first place of our work is in our own hearts and lives. We all need God's mercy. And when we fully know that for ourselves, then we'll know that our neighbors, however bigoted or difficult or wrong, need it too. And while we shouldn't give up on telling the truth about the injustices we see in our world and seeking to right their wrongs, our humility might just help us win our neighbors back and bring them into the circle of God's grace and mercy. Will Campbell was so very right. Whoever we are, whatever we've done, God loves us anyway. That's a message of justice our world needs to hear. So whenever I start to feel those judgmental thoughts rising and the desire to condemn someone for someone rather than something, I pray I'll think first of my own faults and ask for God's mercy. In the grace of that mercy, I hope I'll be more gentle toward my neighbors and friends and even my enemies, recognizing that we all need 
to be made whole in God's love. And that wholeness is what true justice is all about. Amen.